morning. This morning we're going to be looking at John chapter 14 if you want to make your way over there. There was a story told about a little boy who was learning to tell time and his grandpa had taught him that every hour you could tell what time it was by listening to the clock. You didn't even have to be in the same room. So the little boy got to counting the chimes on the clock to tell about what time it was. One day the grandpa decided he would mess with him just a little bit and he programmed the clock to chime 13 times. And uh, he asked the little boy, he said, well, what time is it? He said, the little boy thought for a little bit and he said, I don't know what time it is, but I know it's later than it's ever been before. So as I watch the news and I look around, I see all kinds of things that Jesus said would happen in the last days. I mean, it's just all over, just one after another. And I can't tell you when Jesus is coming back. Matthew 24, 36 tells us that no man knows when Jesus is coming back, not even the angels in heaven know. But I can tell you it's later than it's ever been before. Right now we find ourselves under what Tony Evans calls the passive wrath of God. It's when God takes his protective hand off of us because of our actions and leaves us to face the consequences of our decisions. Our nation seems to be turning ever further away from God and as his bride, the only way to solve that problem is to turn back toward him. On Wednesday nights, we're seeing in the book of Daniel what it looks like for a follower of God to live in a nation that is under this passive wrath. Jeremiah foretold before Daniel's time that this was going to happen because of the people turning toward the world and worldly things, worldly gods, instead of turning toward their God. During, but during this time, during Daniel's time, we see a handful of people whose legacy has lived for roughly 2,700 years. Now they did this by living by faith. So when we look at John chapter 14, 1 through 6, this is a popular um, piece of scripture. Uh, you hear it a lot of times at funerals, but I believe that it very much uh, pertains to us today. I'm reading out of the ESV this morning, so it may sound a little different than what you've memorized, but it says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, if it were not so, what I have told you, that I go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. So, When Jesus makes this statement, as with many of the words that Jesus says, there's a twofold meaning. First of all, no one goes to the Father but through the sacrifice of Jesus to atone for their sins. 
This is the truth and the only way to a life restored to the Father. But secondly, Jesus' example is, his life is an example of the way in which we are supposed to live. That's why Christians, before they were called Christians, were called followers of the way. It's a lifestyle of walking by faith. It is being led by the Holy Spirit in all that we do, keeping a heavenly perspective while walking through this world. So how do we live like Christ? First, we've got to understand that the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that Christ followed through his life, is the same Holy Spirit that dwells in you. Christ was spirit-led in all that he did. According to Romans 8.11, we have the power if we're willing to submit our lives to be like Christ and to reflect that witness to those around us. Secondly, in order to live our lives like Christ, we need to know about his life. When I was in school a long, long time ago, there was these little bracelets that were popular. Many of you probably remember them. They said, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Every time you were faced with a decision, that bracelet was a reminder of what you needed, how you needed to make that decision. The problem was, myself and most of the folks that I ran with, we didn't bother to look and see what Jesus did. We just wore the bracelet. So what are some of the things that Jesus actually did? He studied the Word. He memorized the Word. He committed it to his heart. He had a lifestyle of prayer. He led others to God. He focused on the kingdom of heaven and not on riches or worldly things. He focused on people and relationships with them. He didn't judge them for their past or their misdeeds, but tried to help them toward a better life. He helped people. He healed people. He taught others what he knew. He interacted with people as the Spirit led him. He sacrificed for others. He depended and regularly called out on God, and he showed love to those around him. So what are we supposed to be doing in these possible last days? The same thing we were supposed to be doing all along, following the way. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, with humble hearts. We thank you for, not only for Jesus' sacrifice, but also his example of the life that we can live if we just choose to submit ourselves to your spirit. Lord, we ask that you guide us in this as we walk through this life. Help us to keep ever mindful of the shortening days. Let us lead others to you through our example, through Christ's example through us. Give us the strength and the power and the humility that we need. But most of all, Lord, give us the focus. We seem to be so distracted by the cares of this world and the things that want to bog us down. We ask that you just keep our focus on you and on your son. Please just be with us through these services. Let everything we do honor and glorify you. We praise you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.